Welcome to the Money Love Podcast. I'm your host and money coach, Paige Pritchard. If you're ready to uplevel your results in relationship with money, you're in the right place. Each week, I give you the tools to transform your mindset, manage your emotions, and achieve results with your money you never dreamed were possible. Hi, love. Welcome to episode 104 of the Money Love Podcast. I am so excited for you guys to hear this amazing, amazing conversation that I had with one of my friends and colleagues, Jermaine Foley, this week. Jermaine is a fellow LCS coach. So she is a certified life coach. She is also a financial coach. And her and I actually have the same niche. So we both help and coach women spenders. So women who make good money, they're high achieving women, but they're also spending a lot of it. And I have been wanting to do another episode on this topic, on the topic of having money and keeping money, because it's been a really, really long time on the podcast since we've talked about this particular topic. I want to say that the last and really only episode I've ever done on this is episode seven. (laughs) So a long time ago, we're on episode 104. And if you go all the way back to episode seven, I believe that episode is called Your Capacity to Have, which is another great episode if this topic really speaks to you and you're like, okay, yes, I definitely need to do more work in this area, you can go and listen to episode seven in conjunction with this. But your skill of having money, you guys, is a skill that is so underrated, but is so critically important in your ability to succeed with your finances and to build wealth. Having money is having the capacity to have it come to you and not feeling the need to immediately spend it, to immediately get rid of it. And I know that a lot of you really, really struggle with that. And I can say that this is something that I have absolutely struggled with a lot in the past as well, right? Where we will get a paycheck and money will come in. And really, before it's even in and before it's even hit our bank accounts, it's already right back out the door. We already know exactly where it's going to go, exactly what we're going to spend it on. And it's just like a dollar in, a dollar out. And I always say that your capacity to have money is kind of like a cup that has a hole at the bottom of the cup. And of course, you guys, like when you have money coming in, there's going to be money going out always. We're always going to have expenses that we're going to have to be covering. And we're always going to be spending money and in a state of releasing money. That will always be true. And in fact, that's a very true and just natural component of having a healthy relationship with money. However, the flow of which money is coming in and the flow of which it's going out is going to dictate your capacity to have. So some of you guys have a lot of money coming in, right? There's a lot of, let's just say, water being poured in that cup. But there is a hole at the bottom of that cup that's as big as the cup. So as soon as the money comes in, it's going right back out. And what we want, just to kind of stick with this analogy, is we want to have money coming in, but we want that hole at the bottom of our cup to be a healthy size to where, yes, some of that water is flowing out of the cup, but not all of it is flowing out at once. The cup still has a capacity to have water in it, to keep water in it. And you guys have heard me say this, but wealth is not a number. And this is really important because I feel like there is this prominent message out in the personal finance space that it's all about your income, right? It's all about earn as much as you can, 
get paid your worth, get your income up as high as you possibly can. And yes, that is incredibly important. Do not get me wrong. But also at the same time, the recognition is needed that wealth isn't a number and wealth isn't simply just your income. It's not only what's coming in. Wealth is a ratio and it is a ratio between what's coming in and what you are able to have and keep. And so if you are a high achieving woman, if you are someone who, you know, you make good money, you have a great income, but yet it still feels like there's not enough. It still feels like you have no idea where your money is going. It still feels like you're farther behind financially than you should be at this point. Then there's a very strong possibility that you have not developed your capacity to have money. And that is exactly what I'm going to be talking about with Jermaine today. And so I wanted to do this episode for a long time. And I'm like, okay, I feel like this would be a really good topic for a guest episode, but who could I talk to about this? Who is skilled enough with this practice that they would have enough value to offer you guys? And Jermaine immediately came to mind because this is exactly what she helps her client base with. So let me tell y'all a little bit about Jermaine. She's absolutely fantastic. I know y'all are going to love her. So She's a certified life and money coach, and she works specifically with high-achieving women, and she helps them grow their money without losing the freedom to spend and enjoy their life. We're going to talk about this a lot in the episode, but balance is something that is really, really key and what Jermaine teaches, having balance in your money, being able to make progress towards your financial goals while still living a life that you love and that feels beautiful and purposeful to you. You guys are going to hear more about her story, but she actually used to have a pretty complicated relationship with money. At one point, she was really only concerned with making it and spending it, which sounds really familiar because that was the same for me. And of course, as you can guess, that left her feeling really frustrated and ashamed that she wasn't making the progress financially that she wanted to be making, even though she was making six figures in her corporate career. And on the outside, everything looked really put together, but on the inside, her finances were a hot mess. So of course, she's gotten her act together since then. Obviously, that's why she's here talking to you guys. She has paid off over $200,000 worth of debt. She has grown a multiple six-figure net worth. She's built her dream home, all while still having fun and really enjoying life. So truly, there is no one better to have this conversation with me than Jermaine. We are going to be talking about the skill of having money, what that means, what it looks like. She's going to be giving us some of her best practices. And of course, we're going to be talking about how you can achieve that balanced relationship with your finances. She also just launched a podcast of her own. It's called The Wealthy Woman's Podcast. So you guys also make sure to go check that out. I'm going to link all of her information in the show notes. This is one that I know you guys are really going to love and enjoy. And if you do, please don't be shy about sharing it and tagging us. Let's show Jermaine some love from the Money Love Podcast community and thank her for coming on and giving this value to you guys today. And without further ado, here is my conversation all about the skill of having money with my guest, friend, and colleague, Jermaine Foley. Jermaine, welcome to the Money Love Podcast. I am so excited to have you this week. I have been wanting to talk about this concept of having money for a long time now. And you just seemed like the perfect person to bring in to have this conversation with. So let's get into it. But before we do, go ahead and introduce yourself. Tell us all about you and your background and what you help women with. Yes. Well, thank you so much, Paige, for having me on the podcast. I'm super excited. 
So my name is Jermaine Foley. I am a certified life coach and a certified financial education instructor. And I help women who are high achieving, I help them build wealth without having to give up their lifestyles. So I really work with women who are doing an amazing job in either their business or their careers and they're making good money, but they don't know where it's all going. And their biggest struggle is they don't want to be put on a strict budget. They don't want to give up all the things that they enjoy in life. So I help them find that balance where they can do both, build wealth and enjoy life at the same time. I love that. Do you mind telling us how you got into this work? What kind of drew you to help women with this? Well, this was my issue, 100%. So my husband and I, when we first got married, we were instantly, I would say, you know, high income earners. We were making six figures just straight out of college together when we combined our incomes. And we thought that we could afford anything. We could buy anything. We could do anything. And that thinking really got us into a lot of trouble where we were in over $200,000 worth of debt had very little savings. Our investments were actually decreasing because we kept (laughs) taking out 401k loans and all the things. And we ended up having two kids. And so we had daycare and mortgages and it just really got really overbearing. And I turned to one of the things that I thought was going to help me. And that was bankruptcy. We filed for chapter 13 bankruptcy. And I thought that was going to fix my problem, but it didn't because I was still the same person, still thinking the same way and still behaving the same way. And so one day I just had a a moment where I literally prayed to God and asked him to help me. And the help came in form of a book. My dad gifted me and my uh, my two sisters, Dave Ramsey's The Total Money Makeover book. Mm -hmm. And I devoured it like in a weekend. And I was just like, okay, It's time to cut everything out. No vacations, no eating out, none of the fun stuff. And I presented that plan to my husband and he was just like, um, no, we're not doing this. (laughs) He's like, yeah, hard pass. He's like, no, I 100% think we need to, you know, get our money together. We have to figure this out, but not like this. We still need to be able to enjoy our lives while we figure out our money. And so that became my mission. And so once I was able to figure it out for myself and found out that you really can pay off debt, save, invest, earn lots of money and enjoy your life at the same time, you didn't have to go on those strict budgets and cut everything out. You could actually do both. I was just like, I have to tell everybody about this. And so that's a little bit about my story. And then I would say too, I I guess I want to add this. So I did start to help people and I told them everything I did. And they would do it, but then they would kind of like fall off the wagon. Yes. And I'm like, what's missing here? And I was like, oh, Jermaine, you're not teaching them the mindset stuff. You're just teaching them how to do everything you told them you did, but you're not teaching them how you changed your thoughts. You're not, you're not teaching them how you became someone different in the process. And so that's when I decided that I wanted to go back and actually become a certified life coach so that I can marry all of the things I learned about money with the mindset tools. And it just became like this really great combination so that people can make lasting change, not just, you know, a quick fix that, you know, they will fizzle out in a month or two. So that is my story. 
I see so much of my own story and your story as you're telling me, I'm nodding my head. Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh. I'm thinking, oh my gosh, that was me too. Oh my gosh. That was me too. So many things. Dave Ramsey was the first exposure, I think I would say to the money world. And I think he is for a lot of people just because he's been around forever and he's very far reaching. And so Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people, their first exposure into the money space is Dave Ramsey. And I think he does have a couple of good like foundational principles. But to your point, I don't know if you see this with your clients. I actually work with a lot of women who are coming out of having a little bit of, I don't even know if I want to call it like PTSD in a sense from the Dave Ramsey Mm -hmm. and rice, rice and beans. You're not going to see the inside of a restaurant unless you're working in there, you know, while you're getting your debt paid off. They come to me and they're just like, they've been living this way, this life of deprivation and restriction for so long that it's almost like you have to pull them out of that mindset Mm -hmm. after they've been in that for a while. And I think our brains tend to want to gravitate towards one end of the extreme, because as you know, as a life coach, it's like our brains love the extremes, Mm -hmm. even if the extremes aren't necessarily healthy for us. And I think that's how we have all been told to think about money is if you want to create the results with money that you want, you have to kind of engage in this extreme behavior. And I love your message of the balance and the in-between. And it's like, you can go out and achieve all the things that you want to do and manage your money really well. It's like the life of the and. It's like, and Mm -hmm. they'll do all of these things that you want to do, right? And it's kind of like, I'm sure you see it as a blessing in disguise now, the fact that your husband was like, Yeah, no, which (laughs) I I probably encouraged you to be like, okay, we need to find a middle ground here and we need to find a balance because this just isn't going to be sustainable. To your point, it's not going to be sustainable to live this life of deprivation and have that be long-term. And I saw the same thing with my clients after years and years of just giving them the how, here's Mm -hmm. how you budget. Here's how you get out of debt. Something kept falling short. And to me, I was like, oh, I had this awakening one day of like, oh, it's the mindset. It's the identity. That's the missing key. So, so many of your things of your story, I'm just like, yes, yes, yes. That was me too. That was me too. That's awesome. It's so nice to um, be able to know that other people have gone through the exact same thing. And we know that there's so many women out here who will listen to this podcast and they will also hear themselves in our stories and know that there is hope and it's available to them. And they yeah. don't have to give up what they work so hard for, the lifestyles they work so hard for. They they don't have to completely give those up in order to really build wealth. Couldn't agree more. So let's talk about this with your clients, because I know you said you work with high achieving women and I see this a lot in my community too, but you know, you see these women who are very high achieving and they have a lot of success in so many areas of their life and they're doing so much with their money and they're making more money than they ever thought that they could make or making great incomes. And there's a lot coming in, but there's also a lot going out. And so we hear a lot of statements around the lines of, I make great money, but I don't really feel like I have a lot to show for it. Or I make great money, but I don't feel like I'm as far along as I should be. And so can you talk about some of the patterns that you see in your clients and also why you think that is? Absolutely. So a lot of my clients, that's exactly their stories. Like they're on paper, 
they're making all the money, but it's money in, money out. So as soon as it comes in, it goes out. And I think a lot of times it has to do with a pact that we've made with ourselves. Like I know that when I was growing up, my parents, they took great care of us. We were, you know, taken care of, like I said, but we didn't have a ton of extra disposable income. And I lived in a neighborhood where a lot of people did. And so I was able to see that they were able to buy whatever they wanted and they had the latest and the greatest and their parents showered them with everything. And so I made a pact with myself that I was going to grow up, get a good job, make a lot of money so that I could buy whatever I wanted. Mm -hmm. And so it's almost like, and I've run into many women who say the same thing. She's like, they say, I don't tell myself, no, I work so hard. I don't ever want to tell myself, no. But the truth is they are telling themselves no. They're telling themselves no to the wealth that they want to build. They're telling their children no when it's time to send them to college and they're not able to fully do it without, you know, going into student loan debts. They're saying no. So it's just really important that people understand that having money is not just making it and spending it. It's actually being able to possess it without constantly sending it away. And that is a skill. So it's a mindset thing. And we just have to really learn how to tap into it and notice the patterns and then decide that we want to change it. And we don't need to know exactly how we're going to change it, but just having that desire that we want to do something differently is all we need. And then we can just start making those steps one step at a time to get where we want to go. So there's a couple of areas that I want to dive into with what you just said. So let's just take them one at a time, because the point that you made about having to say no is so key. It's such an excellent point. I hear that all the time of, I don't want to have to say no. And honestly, I find that it really comes from two different backgrounds. I think you see it from people who grew up in backgrounds where as children, they were told no a lot. Mm-hmm. because of the financial situation that their parents were in. And so as children, they were told like, no, we can't do that. No, we can't afford that. That's not something that we're going to be able to do. And so to your point, they get in this mindset of, well, when I'm an adult, I'm going to be able to do mm-hmm. whatever I want and spend money on whatever I want. And I'm never going to have to tell myself, no, that's one background that I see. The other one that I see too, is the opposite of that. Whereas kids, they were never told no. And then they become adults and they think that that is just going to continue and keep moving forward. So I have clients who tell me like, I was incredibly spoiled, you know, and I'm using spoiled in air quotes, but it's like, I was never told no as a kid. I was given whatever I wanted as a kid. And as an adult, now that I have my own finances and my own resources, I kind of feel like I can just kind of keep that going. But I always say that, listen, no is always going to be a part of the equation. Like when you say no today, You're saying no today, but you're creating a yes for yourself in the future. But even when you're saying yes to yourself today, more than likely what's often created is that you're creating a no for yourself in the future. No isn't a matter of if, it's a matter of when. And so it's like, no is always going to be there. You're always going to have to make those trade-offs and you're always going to have to make those decisions. And at some point in time, tell yourself, no, it's just a matter of when are you going to do that? And I think once people realize that, they're like, oh, okay. So the no is always going to be there. It's just a matter of when am I going to tell myself no? Yes. It reminds me of a quote. And it's actually funny. My teenage son showed me this quote. He said, doing the hard things now makes life easier in the future. Saying no today will make your life, which is hard, will make your life easier in the future. 
that reminded me of that quote. Yeah. When it comes to having money, that's one area, right? Is mm-hmm. I'm making this money now. I want to spend it. I don't want to have to tell myself no. I think that's I think that's one area. You also kind of touched on the identity piece of it, which I also think is really interesting because I think the identity piece is the key missing component when it comes to having money. And I know for me, my personal story, when I impulse shopped my way through my $60,000 salary when I was 22, the identity piece was what got me because I was still rooted in the identity of a broke college student. Mm. But my reality was, is that I was making $60,000 a year. And so it was like my identity had not yet caught up to my reality And that's why your self-concept is so important because it's like, whatever your self-concept is, that's what you will live out and make true. So do you mind sharing what you see with your clients and the whole identity piece of the equation? Yes. So I 100% agree with what you just said, because a lot of the people that I work with, they are high achieving, but they didn't necessarily come from having a lot of money growing up. And so that person, that identity is still there. And it's almost like that upper limit concept where you only can go so far. So, you know, they may be making all of this money, but their identity is of someone who doesn't have much money. And so subconsciously, they're always bringing themselves back down to that. This is where we are. This is how much money we have. Even though I make all of this, I'm going to spend it and sabotage my way back to this identity of where I really feel comfortable. And it's so subconscious. People don't know they're doing it until you're able to kind of point it out to them. And then it's just like they have this aha moment. Yeah, That actually happened to me when I was getting out of debt. So we did use the debt snowball. And I was, even though we were enjoying life and doing things at the same time, we were aggressively paying off our debt. And it was like any extra money I had, it was out. Like, okay, on the debt. Anytime we got a bonus, anytime we got a raise, anytime extra money came in, it was just like we're sending it out on our debt. And when we were finished, I thought that we were going to just be able to build up our emergency fund and just keep like making all this progress. But we were not because subconsciously we were used to money in, money out. Even though we were doing something good with that money paying off the debt, we were still not program to keep money. Yes. And so we had to, I had to like kind of wake myself up from that and say, okay, now I need to reprogram myself to have money back to the point where we're talking today. And so that is something where if you notice, if a listener notices that, Hey, every time I get paid or every time money comes in, even if I manage to save up a nice amount and it dwindles, there's probably an identity there that we just haven't broken through yet. Yes. And the identity thing is so fascinating to me because this is just the really tricky thing about your brain is that your brain is always going to revert you back to the identity that you currently have. I think this is very common when you have big jumps in income or big shifts in income, kind of like what happened to us when you come out of college and you start making money, or let's say you totally change careers and you're able to start making a lot more money. Let's just say you switch jobs and you go from making $40,000 a year to $100,000 a year. If you're making $100,000 a year, but you are still rooted in the identity of someone who makes $40,000 a year, your spending habits will reflect 
the person who's making $40,000 a year and you will subconsciously sabotage that extra income that's coming in because there will be a certain level of cognitive dissonance that is so uncomfortable for your brain to handle. Your brain isn't going to want to deal with that uncomfortable feelings. And so it's going to sabotage it. And that's why you see this with like professional athletes all the time. You see it with lottery winners all the time. Like there's some crazy stat that like a third of lottery winners end up going bankrupt. A third of them, Mm -hmm. which is wild when you think about that. I saw another stat that's like 80% of NFL players end up having like financial difficulty two years after leaving the league. 80%, eight out of 10 And when you think about the level of income that those players make, it's huge. They're making tons of money. And the fact that so many of them still make that much money and still experience so much financial difficulty so shortly after leaving the league, I think it just shows you like when you have these big shifts in income and your identity doesn't catch up to it, it can cause so many problems. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And here's the key to the point of this entire topic today, they never got used to having money. They were just all about making it and spending it. So they never got the middle piece of having. Yes. So So let's kind of dive into that. So having money is a term that was definitely new to me a couple of years ago. Mm -hmm. When I heard the term having money, I was like, what is that? What does that mean? If you were just to define what it means to have money, what does that definition look like to you? For me, it's to be in possession of money without constantly needing to send it away or spend it away. Mm -hmm. It's like you're almost as happy to have the money as you are with the things that the money can buy. Like, I think I've gotten to the point now where I rather have money than, let me rephrase that. I'd rather have more money than more stuff, right? And it used to be totally opposite for me. Like I was just like, give me all the stuff. I want all the stuff. You take all the money, but now it's flipped. And it's not that I don't spend. I just do it intentionally. It's based on my values. It's based on what's important to me. It's based on my priorities, but I still 100% make sure that I have money, that I keep money for me, that I just walk around with money and know. And sometimes I'll just open up like my retirement accounts and my checking accounts and just see, look at how much I have and just revel in that and just be like, okay, I have money. Yeah. And I think that that's why a lot of people have such a hard time having it is because many of us have such a one-sided relationship with money. I feel it's all about what can my money do for me? Mm -hmm. And I think when you have that type of relationship with your money, when it's that one-sided relationship, your money really is only as good to you as what it will buy you. And in the throes of my shopping, that's all money was to me. All money was to me was what can you get me? What can you buy me? That's all it was to me. Mm -hmm. And I think when that's the type of relationship that you have with money, you will find yourself in a situation where it's you get paid on Friday and by Monday it's gone. And so when you have that one-sided relationship with money and money is only as good to you as what it will buy you, of course, you're going to have a hard time having money. And I think one of the the first things to do to learn this skill of having money is learning to view your money in a different way and understanding what having your money actually gets you. And it's not just about the stuff because having money actually gets you things. It's just not the stuff that we're used to getting. Absolutely. And even if you think about the uh, freedom you feel when you have money, the security that you feel when you have money, the peace that you feel when you have money. Like to me, 
those things are more valuable than, you know, cute outfit from Banana Republic. You know, it's just really getting clear on what is truly important to you as a human being. And if we really did honestly assess what our values are, typically it's not the clearance rack at Target. Those things are not what would show up on our list of values. It would be something more deep. And it could be some things that cost money. Of course it could be. But a lot of it is that internal, we want security, we want to feel free, we want to feel like... If we wanted to go on a nice vacation and it not be a financial strain, we want to come home and still have money in the bank. Like those are the kinds of things that we truly want. But we rob ourselves from being able to have those things when we do not learn the skill of having money. Yeah. And you're so right. It's like the older that I've gotten, money is more to me about a feeling. It's Mm -hmm. like money is more so of an energy and it's more of an emotional experience to me than it is about having something tangible. Because to your point, it's like when I think about it that way, when I think about the trade-offs of, okay, I can use my money to buy something tangible, which to your point, sometimes you will do that. And sometimes you will make that choice. And oftentimes like that is the right choice. But also on the other hand, it's like, but when I don't spend my money and I have my money, that buys me something. And what that buys me is something intangible. But to your point, it buys me an emotional experience. It buys me freedom. It buys me peace of mind. It buys me just like the feeling of knowing that like I'm safe and I'm secure and I have everything that I need. and I don't have to stress and I don't have to worry. And to me, there is nothing better than that. There's nothing tangible that can beat that feeling for me. You're 100% right. There's nothing better. And I'm sure you hear it from your clients often where, you know, they're stressed, they're worried, and it's because they haven't learned the skill of having money. And that's why they're feeling insecure. They are feeling on edge. They're feeling financially strapped because of, you know, just not having learned those skills. Yeah. Okay. So I know everyone's natural next question is going to be like, okay, Paige and Jermaine. We got it. We understand that like having money is super important, understand the concept of it, but how do I do it? Like, how do I learn to have money? I have a couple of things that I did, but I want to hear what you kind of help your clients with. If someone's like, I need to learn the skill of having money. Where do they start with that? It depends on the person. But one of the things that I love to do is let's just take this. I'll give you two examples. The first one would be go to the bank, take out some cash, maybe like when I did this, I took $500 cash, five $100 bills, and I put it in my purse. I have like this cute little Tory Burch crossbody. So I put it in there and I'm like, okay, I'm going to have this money. I'm going to have $500 on me and I'm not spending it for like the next two or three months. And I just walked around. I felt so luxurious. I felt like I have, I could buy whatever I want, but I'm not $500 just in my, my purse and it's available to me, but I'm just enjoying the experience of having it. I've shared this before. And some people on social media, they're like, if I had $500, it'd be gone in a second. But that wasn't the point. It was like, I was training my brain Mm -hmm. to just get used to having money, money being in my presence without me needing to send it away. Right. Yes. And of course, that's like a quick exercise. And it's actually pretty fun for people to do that. But then there's also like actual processes that I take my clients through as well. But that's one way, like if you just wanted to do something this weekend, it's Friday, the the day we're recording this is Friday. So I'm not sure which, which day you're going to hear it, but like your next payday, instead of 
you know, buying something, buying stuff, why not get that money, put it in your purse and just kind of make a pack with yourself for the next 30 days. I'm just going to have this money and I'm not going to spend it and allow your brain to kind of like recalibrate and reprogram to becoming that person. Yeah. And I think while you're having that money, really kind of tap into and pay attention to the emotions that having that money gives you. How do you feel differently and really bring your attention to and focus to, okay, this is what I'm buying myself. This emotional experience, like how I feel right now, this is what this money is buying me. Because I feel like in the beginning for people who love to spend and who love to shop, like really kind of reminding ourselves, like you still get to go shopping and you're still like buying yourself something with this money. It's just what you're buying yourself is how you're feeling in this moment. And to your point, one trick that I'll have that I like to add is gift cards. Gift cards are actually a really good way to practice having money. So think about this, like when it's your birthday or when it's the holidays or something and you get a gift card somewhere, a lot of people will immediately go spend that gift card, even if they don't need anything, right? So it's like if you get a Sephora gift card for Christmas, it's like the next day you're at Sephora, even though you just got everything that you needed from Sephora for Christmas. But it's like you have this gift card and it's almost just this mindset of I had this money. This gift card's just kind of burning a hole in my pocket. And so gift cards are actually a really good way that you can practice having money. It's like, okay, I'm going to have this gift card to Sephora, to Target, to wherever, and I'm not going to go immediately spend it. I'm not just going to go up to Target tomorrow and just walk around and be like, well, let's just see what Target has for me. And that's what a lot of us do with gift cards. Gift cards are actually a really good way to practice having money. It's like, I'm going to wait to use this until there's actually something that I need instead of just going up and seeing what I can find just to spend money, just to spend it. That's such a good idea. I'm going to try that. Yeah, no, please. (laughs) That's really good. I used to be that way. I used to be someone who I would get a gift card and the next day I would be at the store just because it was physically uncomfortable for me to have a gift card somewhere to know that I had like this free money burning a hole in my pocket and not go spend it. And that was something that I had to practice. I had to practice that urge to be like, okay, I have this money, but that doesn't necessarily mean we need to go spend it. We're going to wait until we need something. So gift cards are another really good trick. So do Jermaine's trick of pulling out some money and walking around with it. And then you can try the gift card trick. So that's another good one. Absolutely. You can start with, I would say at least a $50 bill, but I would go higher if you can. Just walk around and just allow yourself to just have that money without spending it. It'll really help you. Now let's kind of go back to the identity piece, right? Because I think we kind of talked about how big the identity piece is. What would be your advice of someone who wants to kind of shift their identity of, okay, maybe I used to be someone who wasn't super high achieving, wasn't super high earning, and now I am, but how can I get my identity there? What are some of the ways that you help your clients with that? Yes. And you just touched on it. So it's really all about knowing that you're going to have urges to, to go back to, you know, however you used to be, but being able to allow those urges without giving into them was a game changer for me. So I teach my clients to, first of all, set a goal, set a financial goal for yourself, and then really know what your values are so that you can really make sure that your spending is aligned with your goals and your values. 
And then I teach monthly spending plans so that people can just really be in touch with their money and decide ahead of time what their money is going to do for them. Just because you have a plan doesn't mean that your brain is going to be on board with that plan, right? It's going to try to get you to do something different. And those are urges. And so I really spend a lot of time teaching my clients to learn how to allow those urges to be there, to feel them, to be curious about them and let them really just be there and dissolve. And Mm -hmm. the more you're able to do that, like every time you're able to do that, you're actually reprogramming your brain every time you do it. And eventually those urges will stop coming and you do become someone totally different. You reach your financial goals, whatever that was, and you get to set a new one and you just become another person. Then you can set another goal and do it again. So I have something called the wealthy woman's process and that's kind of what's involved there, but allowing urges is a game changer. Totally. 100%. And I think so many of us are so conditioned to feel an urge respond to the urge, feel an urge, respond to an urge. And the more times you get stuck in that habit loop, the more reinforced it's going to become. And so to your point in the beginning, when you're trying to break that habit loop and when you're trying to form a new one, where you're essentially doing the exact opposite of what you've been doing for the longest time, you're going to feel the urge, but then you're not going to react to it. It actually is incredibly uncomfortable in the beginning. But to your point, the more you do it, the easier it will become and the less powerful the urges will feel over time. But that's how you form new habits and new behaviors. And I think the identity piece of it, it's the identity piece of it is always really interesting to me because it's kind of like, which comes first, right? It's like the chicken and the egg concept, right? It's like, does the identity come first and then the habits come or do the habits come, which then forms the identity? And I think it's kind of both, right? Because I think it's like, you can do both at the same time. You can be working on developing a new identity for yourself while also working on changing your behaviors. And then it's kind of like when you're working on the behaviors that will then help to reinforce the identity that you're now trying to form. So it's kind of like this loop that starts to happen, right? So it's both. I agree because like, if you think about how, what I just said, you start with setting a goal for yourself. And even from that place, that is you really thinking about becoming someone different, like that's you wanting to achieve something you've never achieved before. And so that's like the beginning of the identity shift. And then, okay, so I've created this goal from this new place. And then now I'm creating my spending plan. And my goal again is to hit this goal. So it's like all of that is done from this new identity. And it's as you continue to do it, the identity is reinforced and you eventually become that person. Yeah. So I do believe like, it maybe starts off as an identity that is kind of, you know, a baby identity. And then it just grows as you kind of like keep going through the process. And I think something key too, is just giving yourself the permission to step into an identity that you don't necessarily feel like you're ready for yet. Mm -hmm. Or what I see with a lot of my clients is deserving of or worthy of, which is just complete BS in my mind. Cause I'm like, you're always worthy and you're always deserving of any financial situation that you want to go out and create. But I think that's what happens so often with us not having money is that when we go out and we create a certain result and the identity isn't there yet, and it's not lining up, that's where we get ourselves into trouble. And so for me, what I tell my clients to do is listen, start working on the identity ahead of time. So if you want to create the result of 
I'm someone who earns $100,000, you don't have to wait to assume that identity until you're making $100,000. And in fact, you shouldn't, because again, that's where all the cognitive dissonance and the self-sabotage comes in. Work on forming that identity before you actually get there. Mm -hmm. That way, when you do create the result, you're like, I've been here for a long time. And other people around us are like super excited about it. And they're like, oh my gosh, this is so amazing. Like, aren't you so pumped for this? Like, I'm so excited for you. And you just kind of have this like calm, grounded energy. And you're like, yeah, you know, but like, I've been here for a long time. Like in my head, in my mind, in my imagination, in my identity, I've already been someone that's been making $100,000 a year for a really long time already. So my reality is just now catching up to the identity that I've been working on for a long time. And I think that's how you know that you're doing it right. You want your reality to catch up to your identity, not the other way around. You don't want to have to have your identity catch up to your reality because that's like, that's where you start to get into trouble. So I think it's like form the identity ahead of time. Like you can form any identity you want. You don't need anyone's permission to do that. You can form any identity you want to. Oh yeah. And this reminds me of when I was getting out of debt. Like one of the things when it happened, when it finally happened, it was very anticlimactic for me because I was already there. Like I was there for probably years before it even happened. And so when it happened, I was a little disappointed that I wasn't as excited. Like I thought that it was just going to be like this confetti everywhere. And it really was like, no, the the confetti was years ago. Like I was excited about this. I knew this was going to happen. So when it happened, it was just like, oh, okay. (laughs) Yeah. So yeah, a hundred percent. The same thing happened to me. But also I think to your point, when we have those moments, we feel confused and we almost feel a little bit disappointed because we're like, I thought that this would be a lot more exciting. I thought that this would be a lot more dramatic than it is. And so we almost feel like, what's wrong with me? But in my opinion, I'm like, I think that that shows you that you've been doing it right all along because that just shows you that you've been there for a long time already. It's like, I'm not going to get excited about being somewhere that I've already been for a really long time or creating a result that I already have known that I was going to create for so long. The same thing happened to me with like getting out of debt or like reaching certain income levels. Again, everyone's like, yeah, like so excited for you. And then even you have this moment of, shouldn't I be more excited about this? But also at the same time, you're like, no, because I've been here. This is nothing new to me. So you and I have similar experiences around that. A hundred percent. And I, when it first happened was when I got out of debt and I was just, and I did feel a little disappointed, but now that I of course learned a lot more and I understand why I felt that way, it's just expecting now that, yeah. that you know, that it's not going to be the fireworks, but you've had the fireworks along the whole journey anyway. So it's just yeah. going to be, you know, more calm when you actually get there. And I can share some things for me, but like when you're thinking about future Jermaine, the results that she wants to create in her life financially, what are some of the things that you think about? My opinion is, is like the more specific that we can get on that, the more details that we can know, the easier it will be to like become her. But what are some of the things that you do when you're thinking about future identities that you kind of want to step into? Yeah. So I just like to think about, okay, so when I am her, when, when we catch up with each other, what am I going to do? How am I going to live? What am I going to spend my money on? Where am I going to live? So I have a couple of things that I know that I will be doing when I'm her. 
I have a dream, two dreams. So when my children are ready to buy their first home, I want to gift them their down payment. And that was something that when my husband and I, when we bought our first home, the mortgage broker was like, hey, do you have anybody who want to gift you, you know, up to, I think it was $10,000 at the time. And we were like, no, but I was like, ooh, that would be so cool if when we have kids, we could do that. Other thing I want to do, and I learned this from a previous a manager I worked for, when his child was born, he just went to Fidelity or some brokerage company and just, he put enough money in her 529 plan, her college plan, that he never needed to put another dime in there again. And it would just, when it's time for her to go to college, it would be enough money there. Yeah. So I want to do that for my grandkids whenever they come. So I have those kinds of dreams. And it's usually from things I've experienced or I've witnessed other people doing. And I'm like, ooh, I want to do that. So another thing that I witnessed someone doing was I took my kids on a Disney cruise, which was so much fun. And there was this grandmother there and she was like, yeah, I'm here with my daughter, my son-in-law, my other children, all my grandchildren. And I'm, this is my gift to them. I'm like, yes, I'm doing that too. Like I have all these things that I want. And to me, that's like so much joy and fun and what I really want to experience. So it's really not about buying a certain thing. It's more about experiencing certain things and watching my children and grandchildren experience those things too. And being able to witness it and knowing that like, I'm able to do that for them. Well, first of all, that's going to be so awesome when you're able to do those things. Right. And just like hearing you talk about it, it's like, I see you're so grounded in that. And it's not even something like, Oh, I I wish I hope I'm crossing my fingers that one day this is going to happen. It's just this knowing and this groundedness of like, no, one day I will be able to do these things. I will be able to gift my kids their down payment and take my whole family on a Disney cruise. And that's just going to be so fun when you're able to do those things. This is where I think that a lot of us kind of have it wrong is when we are thinking about all the things that we want to do is thinking about the results and then also like breaking it down to say, who is that type of person though? Like who is the type of woman who is able to fund a down payment for her kid's house or to fund her grandkids college or to take her whole family on a Disney cruise? Who is that woman? What does she think? What does she believe? How does she feel about money? What are her habits? And I think the trap that a lot of us fall into is we think I can't do those things until I actually get there. The bank account has to match first, and then I will be able to do those things instead of realizing, no, it's actually those things, those habits, those beliefs, those emotional states that will make the bank account possible. I think we have it backwards a lot of the times, right? And so what I like to do is like any result that I'm thinking about, like, let's just say you want to become someone who's debt-free and you get all of your credit card debt paid off. I think what a lot of us do is we get so focused on the credit card debt And the thought of the credit card debt just becomes so overwhelming. But instead, it's like, no, okay, think about the version of you who doesn't have the credit card debt. How does she show up for herself on a daily basis? And how can you actually become that person today? And a lot Mm -hmm. of people think, well, I can't because I still have credit card debt. And it's like, no, you can though. You can, because the most important thing is the way that she thinks, the way that she feels, the actions that she takes. And just because you have credit card debt, you can still do all of those things today, even with the credit card debt. It's not just, this is a result that I want to create. It's, this is who I am. Yes. 
And there's a big difference between those two things. Yes. And it drives how you show up and then that will drive the results you create. Yes. Right? So you have to become the person to create the result. Mm-hmm. Right. And so for me, if I go back to when I wanted to be debt free, I really did have to live as the woman who was already debt free because otherwise I wouldn't have gotten there. I had to think differently. I had to behave differently with my money in order to get that result. So I think you're spot on when you say that identity is key. Like you have to become that person way before the result will come. And then you will end up syncing up with each other. Yeah. You know, and then, and that's, that's the beauty of it all. And I want to make this last distinction as well, because I think that a lot of people think that when I'm debt free or when the credit card debt is gone or when I'm making a lot more money than I am now, this concept is tricky to them because they think when I am doing those things, I'll be spending a lot more than I'm able to spend now. So they're like, yeah, well, when I don't have the debt or when I'm out of credit card debt or when I'm making a hundred thousand dollars, I'll be able to spend so much more than what I'm spending now. So if I'm living into that identity, won't I be spending more money now in this present moment than I should be if I'm living from a future moment where I'm making more or I have less debt? And to me, I actually find the opposite is true. And it's weird because our minds want to tell us that the more money that we have to spend, the more we will spend. But when you're doing it correctly, like for me, the older I get, the more money I make and the less debt I have, the less I actually want to spend. So <laughs> it's weird. True. It's so true. Okay. So there is a book that I was reading and it talked about this. And it's usually when we're living from this scarcity place, we do have this uncontrollable craving to just spend money because we're living from a place of lack and not enough. And we constantly create more lack and not enough by spending. But when you are sovereign and like abundant and you know that you're enough and you know that like no purchase can make me happy. No purchase can make me more worthy. I'm already adequate. I'm already good enough. It's like you don't have that uncontrollable craving to spend. So the person who I want to be in the future, she already knows that she's good enough and adequate. So she has no need to just overspend. She has no need to do any of that because she knows the importance of who she is and how worthy she is. So she doesn't need to prove anything. There we go. Anybody. That's exactly it, right? It's this tricky thing that our brain does to us. We think like the scarcity and the lack that I'm in right now will still be there in the future with my future self and that version of her. But it's like, no, that's not the case because your future self, she's not going to be in that place. And so she's not going to feel that need to spend her money in the way that you're currently spending it now. So our teacher, Brooke Castillo, she says something like live from your future, but don't spend from your future. So you can live from your future without spending. I think to your point, a lot of people think that, oh, well, if I'm living or, you know, if I'm living from the place of having millions of dollars, then I will be spending like crazy. It's like, but we're not telling you to spend from that place. We're telling you to imagine living from that place, if that makes sense. Two different things. Yes. Exactly. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, let's wrap up with one more topic here because I know at the beginning you talked about how you're all about the balance, which I absolutely love. So it's, you know, you can still manage your money in a way that's purposeful and responsible, 
but also living and having fun at the same time. So give us your best tips on that, because I think that's the hardest thing that we struggle with is again, we want to live in those extremes. So we either think I'm just going to go completely balls to the wall, spending everything I have, you know, impulse buys day in, day out, or I'm going to be over here in the beans and rice, rice and beans. Like I have to pick one of those two doors when really it's a spectrum. And so it's like, how do we find the balanced part of that spectrum? I'd love to get your tips on that. Yes. So it's like most people want to live in the all or nothing world. And I say, Mm -hmm. let's live in the and world. Right. And so one of the things you have to get really clear on what's truly important to you. So when I say, you know, you can still have a great lifestyle and do the things that really matter to you, you have to know what those things are. What are the things that truly matter to you? And it can't be any and everything. It can't be, oh, I just like to impulse spend. No, when you're sitting down and you're really thinking about what your soul wants, what the inner you wants is not to impulse spend and to buy a bunch of stuff. That's the last thing that she wants, right? Mm -hmm. So one of the things I do is I take my clients through an exercise where they could really discover their values to see what is it that really is important to me. And then once they find their values, pick a couple for now based on where they are financially that you're going to live out. So, and you can prioritize them. So at one point it could be family happiness is my, my number one value. So I want to create memories with my children. So that might mean that you're making sure when you do your spending plan that on the weekends, you all get to go out and go and do fun things. Maybe you're taking a family vacation once or twice a year. So that stuff can be reflected in your spending plan. And then the other piece of that is to also have some financial goals and you prioritize those. So you're always working on a financial goal and you are always aware of what values you want to be living out at this stage of your life and then creating your plan, your spending plans to really align with both of those. So making sure that you just, you have to get a lot of awareness and know what those things are for you. Love it. It's so fun, like being able to talk to you and I'll just kind of tell all the listeners. So Jermaine is a LCS certified coach like I am. And we have a directory that all the coaches are in that you can go and kind of just like look for coaches and to just connect with. And you can look by niche and stuff like that. And Jermaine and I are both coaches who help women who overspend. And there's not many of us out here. And so when I found her, I was just like, oh my gosh, we absolutely have to talk. We have to have this discussion. And I'm just seeing so many similarities between what you teach and what I teach. And I just love talking about this because I feel like the things that we've talked about in this episode today, just the identity around your money and being able to have it and not spend it right away. And also being able to live an and life with your money. It's not about like, okay, do I have to pick this or do I have to pick this? It's like, you can actually have a little bit of both. You can live in the and It's just, there's so many things that you've shared with us today that I'm just over here cheering. Like, yes, 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 absolutely. So go ahead and share with us where everyone can find you if they want to connect with you and work with you. I'd love for you to just kind of tell us about how you can help us. Yes, I'm super excited because I am launching my podcast April 5th. So it's called the Wealthy Woman's Podcast. And I would love it if you all would find it, subscribe, listen in. Episodes will drop on Wednesdays. And I would just love if you caught me over there. Yeah. 
We absolutely will. And you guys, I'll put a link to um, the Wealthy Woman podcast in the show notes. So after you listen to this episode, you can go straight over to Jermaine's podcast and listen to the first couple episodes of her podcast. I've actually gotten a little sneak peek of it and I've gotten to listen to it. And I can just tell you it's absolutely fantastic. So you guys should all go listen and add it into your podcast lineup. Oh, I appreciate you, Paige. Thank you so much. (laughs) You're welcome. All right. Well, thank you for being on the show today, Jermaine. This was so fun. It was. Thank you so much for having me. Hey, girl. If you enjoyed this episode, I want to invite you to join me in Overcoming Overspending. It's my signature program where I take you through my three-phase approach to stop impulse shopping and overspending so that you can finally start making substantial progress with your finances. Through the self-paced online program, the student community group, and live weekly coaching with me, you will receive all the encouragement you need to finally achieve lasting change with your money habits that have been sabotaging you for so long. You'll have money back in your pocket. You will leave behind the stress and the worry that you currently experience with money, and your spending will be controlled, purposeful, and actually feel good and be fun. The best part is it's 100% risk-free. You have a lifetime to implement my proven process. And after doing that, if you don't make your investment back, I will give you a full refund. Your results are guaranteed or the program is on me. Just head over to overcomingoverspending.com to get started. I can't wait to have you as a student within the program.